Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's Monday, November 8th. Let's start with the in case you missed it portion and then go on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. Okay, so we have a lot to get to, so let's just go ahead and jump right in. Wrapping up the baseball season, the Atlanta Braves have won their first World Series since 1995. The Braves put the series away in Game 6 in Houston, beating the Astros 7-0. A three-run home run by Soler in the third inning got the ball rolling. See what I did there? And the team put 17 players on base that night, and pitcher Max Fried did the rest. The Atlanta Braves were the very unlikely team to take this home. They were the underdogs as far as the last four teams that were in the championship series. They went through a lot of injuries and were written off for the playoffs all the way through even into the month of August. This was the franchise's fourth championship, so congratulations to the Braves. It's not all bad news for the Houston Astros, however, as Dusty Baker will return for another year. The 72-year-old signed as the manager for one year, and he said he will return for an additional. Dusty sits at 12th among Major League history with 1,987 wins, and this next season can put him as high as ninth. The St. Louis Cardinals snagged a five Golden Glove awards, including first base, second base, third base, center field, and left field. This is the most ever won by a single team. The Golden Glove award goes to the best in each position, as voted by managers in the majors. However, you can't vote for your own team. I went ahead and put basketball back in the podcast, seeing as college basketball season starts on Tuesday. Preseason rankings have Gonzaga as number one, UCLA as two, Kansas as three, Villanova as four, and Texas rounding out your top five. 
Funnily enough, there were a lot of fines in the NBA over the last week. Kevin Durant was fined 25 grand by the NBA after throwing a ball into the stands during the third quarter last Friday. He's lucky he wasn't ejected after they reviewed the play during the Pacers game. The Hawks' Trey Young was fined $15,000 for contact with a ref. He bumped into the ref's arm on his way back into the court after not getting a foul originally. And this is kind of funny because the NBA has mentioned that they plan on cutting back on calls where the offensive player initiates contact. So they actually expect less fouls to be called. And Trey Young is supposed to be one of the players that's going to get the benefit of that new ruling. The 76ers have fined Ben Simmons $360,000 for missing Thursday's game against the Pistons. Now, that $360,000 is not a random amount. That is his equivalent to his per-game salary. The team will continue to fine him unless he comes back and cooperates with team doctors on his mental health. According to the team, this is not an action taken against his mental health. It's because Simmons has refused to provide any information on the evaluation and treatments and et cetera with team doctors. Also, Simmons, who is still under a four-year, $147 million contract, has asked to be traded. So be sure we will hear a lot more about that. Rumors are already swirling that the Celtics are sniffing around Simmons. So we'll have to see where he ends up. Hitting on some COVID updates for the NBA, the NBA is recommending that players, coaches, and staff all get their booster shots, especially if they received the Johnson & Johnson one-dose vaccine. We'll have to see how that goes over, seeing as a lot of NBA players have made a big deal about getting the vaccine originally. And the New York City new mayor-elect has also come out to say that he will not be changing the vaccine mandate. And again, why is that in a sports blog? Well, that goes with Kyrie Irving. That still means he will not be playing for the Nets unless he gets that vaccine. Moving along to college football, there were eight losses in the top 25, with seven of them being to unranked teams. This week was the week that was just for the taking for another team other than Georgia to show that they are the best team in the nation and really no one wanted to step up and do it. A lot of the top teams were tested and barely squeaked out some W's and some didn't actually manage a win. Number two, Alabama looked beatable in a close game with LSU winning 20 to 14, despite the Tigers not being able to capitalize on a late fourth quarter turnover by the Tide. Number four, Oregon barely beat a bad Washington team in the rain, 26 to 16. That score is very misleading here. No one really wanted to win that game. Even number five, Ohio State had a scare against Nebraska, who I swear loves losing in close games. There were some seriously, in my opinion, flawed coaching decisions. Head coach Scott Frost will probably be fired, although I think they just came out and said that they're keeping him for this season. But he clearly played this game not to get blown out, whereas he could have actually been in charge of a huge upset. Number six, Cincinnati did not do itself any favors, barely beating Tulsa 28 to 20. Tulsa is three and six for the year and had the ball at the goal line, but fumbled the ball in the end zone. That puts a whole new meaning to winning by the skin of your teeth. Number three, Michigan State didn't manage to get it done. They did lose to Purdue, and I called it for their first loss of the season. Purdue had control of the entire game, winning 40-29. to 
Also, undefeated Wake Forest was handed their first L against UNC, who for the second year in a row was trailing by 14 points in the fourth quarter, but came back to win. Also, undefeated number 12, Baylor lost to TCU, who undoubtedly was fighting for their recently released head coach, Gary Patterson. Only number 13, Auburn, lost to a ranked opponent in Texas A&M, where there was no offensive touchdowns in the entire game. Snoresfest. Number 18, Kentucky, lost to unranked Tennessee in a tight game, 45-42, to and listened to the weirdest stats on the planet. Tennessee only had the ball for 13 minutes the entire game and only had 17 first downs. In contrast, Kentucky had 35. And the Vols were third and eight in third down conversions, whereas Kentucky went 12 for 17. I don't know how Kentucky ended up losing this game, but clearly Tennessee used its 13 minutes to score points. So those losses for the week were number three, Michigan State, number nine, Wake Forest, number 12, Baylor, number 13, Auburn, number 17, Mississippi State, number 18, Kentucky, number 20, Minnesota, and number 23, Fresno State. Week 11, we will see full action with four ranked first ranked showdowns, and it's a nice even slate on the matchups in every conference, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC. Game day will be in Oxford for the Texas A&M versus Ole Miss game. In the NFL, week nine, the Browns destroyed the Bengals with the return of Baker Mayfield and despite the news that OBJ will no longer be staying in Cleveland. The Broncos snapped the Cowboys' six-game winning streak with the Cowboys only scoring 16 points, all being done in the fourth quarter. The Jaguars get their second win of the season over the Bills in a very sarcastically exciting game with a score of 9-6. to six. On the flip side, the Ravens beat the Vikings in overtime. After Derrick Henry suffered the injury last week, NFL veteran Adrian Peterson scored his 125th touchdown of his career. Peterson is 36 years old and has played on six different teams during his NFL career, which started in 2007. Sticking with former Sooners, Kyler Murray is out but his Cardinals pulled out the W over the 49ers, 31-17, to with former Texas quarterback Colt McCoy. The Cardinals are now the only team left in the NFL with eight wins. And guess what? The Lions didn't lose this week because they were on a bye. All right, I know you've seen Aaron Rodgers in the news a lot lately, so I'm going to tell you why. Packers QB Aaron Rodgers has tested positive for COVID and is out. The earliest return he can have is Saturday. He claimed he was immunized earlier in the year, but we have since found out that he is not. Rogers said he is allergic to ingredients in both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, and he says that he has abided by all COVID protocols in place for unvaccinated players. However, there is an investigation on whether that is accurate or he was getting special treatment. The Packers lost to the Chiefs this past weekend, 7-13, to in what was supposed to be a highly anticipated game, Mahomes versus Rodgers in a QB showdown. Tempers are always running high on the corona subject, but this has people up in arms, including Hall of Famer Terry Bradshaw, who pointed out that Rodgers flat-out lied to fans and the media. This also made a lot of people in fantasy really pissed off, including myself, who had him as their starting quarterback. I'm sure this is not the last we've heard of this, and this story will continue to develop. 
Some quick golf news. Victor Hovland came into the Worldwide Technologies Championship at Mayakoba as defending champion, and he defended it in record fashion. He won with a score of 23 under, which is a new 72-hole record. After his three birdies on the front nine on Sunday, no one got within three shots of him. He is the first defending champion of the event, which was started in 2007. Moving along to Olympic sports news, we've got some marathon news to hit on. 24-year-old Jocelyn Rivas is now the Guinness World Record holder for after completing the 100th marathon, and she is the youngest person to ever do so. She bested the former record holder by 59 days. She ran her first marathon in 2014 and had completed the 100th in Los Angeles over the weekend. The New York City Marathon also was in action over the weekend for its 50th running. And a pair of Kenyans swept the medals. Albert Courier won the men's race, and he came in second two years ago, so nice little redemption tour there. And Paris Jepchirchir became the only woman to win the event in the fall after winning the Marathon Olympic gold medal. She doesn't like to take a lot of time off, I guess. The New York City Marathon is the second oldest of the marathon majors, only being bested by the Boston Marathon, which has been run in some shape or form since 1897. Hashtag girlfriend hint, the marathon majors are Tokyo, Boston, London, Berlin, Chicago, and the New York Marathon. Last piece of Olympic news, the modern pentathlon might be getting an update. The current event is a combination of running, pistol shooting, fencing, swimming, and riding. However, after an animal abuse incident occurred during the Tokyo Games, a movement has begun to take the riding portion out of the event. What ended up happening was a German coach hit a horse after it refused to compete in the jumping portion for the leader in the women's competition during the Olympics. Under the current format, athletes compete on horses they have never ridden before. TBD on what will be the new sport to replace the horseback riding event, but we know it's not cycling. Hashtag girlfriend hint, Americans are often puzzled by why we even have the modern pentathlon event, as it's not very popular in this country. That might have to do with the fact that we are really not doing well competing in it, but it was actually founded by the founder of the modern Olympics. Pierre de Coubertin created the event, and it has been in every games since 1912. It is the test of the most all-around athlete and used to be competed over five days. It's now competed over just one. For more details, see the Olympic sports page on the blog. There was some drama in the tennis world the other day. Emma Raducanu was trending on Twitter after English rugby coach Eddie Jones threw some major shade. Here is the direct quote. There's a reason why the young girl who won the U.S. Open has not done so well afterwards. What have you seen her on? The front page of Vogue and Harper's Bazaar or whatever, wearing Christian Dior clothes. All that is a distraction around her. That is the direct quote. And as a reminder, Raducanu won the U.S. Open at only 19 and did so without dropping a set. He said it as a warning to his rising star, Marcus Smith, but it was still a little uncalled for. The question being, what, how has she done since the U.S. Open, so was it called for? Well, she's only competed three times since then. She lost in the round of 64 in early October, lost in quarterfinals in late October, and is currently in the round of 16 at the Linz Open. 
her three most recent results leading up to the U.S. Open was a loss in the round of 16, a loss in the round of 32, and then a loss in the final. So realistically, not all that different. That wraps it up for the What You Missed over the last week. Let's go over what to watch this week, including we've got NBA basketball on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. There's six games on TV at 6.30 and 9 p.m. on TNT or ESPN over those three days. Again, college basketball returns on Tuesday. As teams play so many times per week, I really only include the top 25 games and only those on regular scheduled programming kind of cable networks. So on Tuesday, I will tell you there are some highlights that I want to go over. Number 10, Kentucky at number 8, Duke at 8.30 on ESPN on Tuesday to open it up. We also have number four, Villanova, at number two, UCLA, at 10.30 p.m. on ESPN2 on Friday. And then on Saturday, we have number five, Texas, at number one, Gonzaga, at 9.30 p.m., again, on ESPN2. In the world of college football, the CFP ranking show will be at 7 o'clock on ESPN, right around those basketball games on Tuesday and then the top 25 games of the week I have the Big Ten matchup number nine Michigan at 23 Penn State at 11 a.m. on ABC the Big 12 matchup is number four Oklahoma at number 18 Baylor also at 11 o'clock but on Fox the SEC matchup and game day game of the week is number 11 Texas A&M at number 12 Old Miss at 6 p.m. on ESPN And finally, to round it out, the ACC matchup of number 21, uh, NC State at 13, Wake Forest at 6.30 on ACC Network. Now, keep in mind, these rankings are based on the AP poll as the college football playoff rankings don't come out until Tuesday. As far as NFL goes, we have Thursday night football Ravens at the Dolphins at 7.20 on Fox. Then seven games at noon, depending on your location on CBS or Fox. Then we have two games either at 3.05 on Fox and then two games at 3.25 on CBS. The Chiefs at the Raiders will play at 7.20 on NBC. And Monday Night Football, the Rams at the 49ers at 7.15 on ESPN. The PGA Tour goes to Houston for the Houston Open starting Thursday through Sunday. You can catch that at noon on Golf Channel, and I will actually be in attendance. We have some motorsports going on. We have the Brazilian Grand Prix for Formula One on Sunday at 11 a.m. on ESPN2, as well as the final MotoGP race of the year in Valencia at 1.30 p.m. on NBC. And the last thing I want to note is that we do have a FIFA World Cup qualifying match, the United States versus Mexico, on Friday at 8.10 p.m. on ESPN2. That about wraps it up for me this week. So again, if you have more questions, want to get more details on some of the stories or see all the events that are televised for the weekend, please go check out the blog, thegirlfriendsguidetosports.com, and hope to see you next week.